This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Homer, the learn-to-read app for kids 2 to 8 that's not only fun for kids. With 15 minutes a day of use, it's proven to increase reading scores by 74%. Sign up now at learnwithhomer.com slash spawned, and Spawned listeners get a two-month free trial. That's learnwithhomer.com slash spawned. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we're going to be talking about what we can do as parents to help our kids do their best in school. Thanks to some expert guidance from Catherine Firestone of the Fireborn Institute. And Kristen, I just have to say, I, I, at first I was thinking yes. she was related to Daenerys Stormborn of the House Targaryen, <laughs> but just to be really clear, Stormborn not related to Fireborn. Totally I think you different. you have Game of Thrones on your brain all the time, Liz. I miss Is that it a thing? so much. I miss Jon Snow. <laughs> and of course, we will end our show, as we always do, with our Cool Picks of Week. So you want to stay tuned because what I think one of the most popular emails we get is, I found this from listening to your show and we know it's cool picks of the week but first a little bit more about Catherine for those of you who don't know her and the Fireborn Institute so she founded the organization which is a nonprofit that provides parents with practical and easy to remember strategies coaching resources and more all with the aim of helping children achieve in school because as we all know what happens at home has the greatest impact on a child's chance for success yes and she's also the host of the happy student a podcast for parents on promoting happy academic and social lives. I love this. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Catherine Fireborn. <laughs> yes. Well, I actually like when I started Fireborn, I, that's how I felt. I was like, this is so Game of Thronesy. This is awesome. Uh, <laughs> so Fireborn comes from my married name Firestone and my maiden name Osborne and just a combination of those two names. And I really tried hard to convince my husband that we should be the Fireborns. <gasps> oh, that's uh, so my brilliant. My last name is Armstrong. <laughs> so I would be Gumstrong, which is not nearly as compelling. <laughs> it sounds like you belong in like a senior center or something. Oh. <laughs> Gumstrong. <laughs> so Catherine, we know it's so important for parents to be involved in our kids' education. We talk about all the time. But for a lot of us, I think we struggle between feeling like we're homework nags or we're coaches or we're co-teachers. How do we become collaborators? Totally. So I hear this all the time. And yeah, we want to switch from being that homework nag to that homework helper. And so there are a few really concrete things that you can do. And the most important thing is you really want to make homework a routine. Right now, the routine is probably for you to nag your kid into you doing their homework. And so if you can create some other strategies to do that, it'll be a lot easier. So you can start by having a homework space where they go and they always do their homework when they're there. Another thing you can do is just create a playlist. Classical music is the best option, but Ooh. not absolutely necessary. But every time they're supposed to start working, you start that playlist. The more you do that, the more they're going to learn, okay, it's time to be doing my homework. Like I'm going to, I'm ready for it. I'm going to do that it. That is, I, I just want to stop because that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I've never heard that before. That's new and I am so for this. I can't even believe I didn't think of that before, but it's such a great cue. I mean, I'm a music therapist. I used music as a cue with my clients. So it makes sense that it would work for my kids. Right. Great. Yeah. So the other thing you want to do is maybe create a routine for after school. Sometimes kids have a really hard time. They get nervous about starting their homework because they're worried that they're not going to be able to answer the questions. And so if your routine becomes, we're just going to preview the homework 
homework. We're just going to preview oh. all the questions right now. There's zero pressure to actually do it because next you're going to have an hour long break. They preview it. There's not a lot of backlash or fuss about doing that. And then they're playing and they're not anxious and their mind is subconsciously thinking about those things. So then when it's time to get to work, they've thought about it. They know how they're going to start approaching it. They've maybe thought about how they want to answer it a little bit. It's a lot easier for them. There's not that anxiety. Uh. Another part of this routine that I like is after your break, it can be really hard to go from something fun like playing to doing your homework. Yes. So if you can yeah, yes. so if you can add in something <laughs> a little bit easier, like a snack, and then transition to work, that can be really helpful. Oh, that's good. Okay, let me ask you this, because I love the idea of making it a routine. And I have to be honest, I'm sure there are other listeners out there that we used to do homework in the mornings, actually, mm-hmm. because my kids were early risers. I mean, they were up at 6 a.m., and it just was easier. But I have to say, this year, I have a first grader, a third grader, and a fifth grader, and we just can't. Like, there's just too much homework. Right. But but we have sports and we have after school activities. So yeah. like, do you have to do homework at the same time every night? What do you say to parents who are running around every night of the week? Right. I mean, yeah, ideally you're doing homework at the same time every night, but that's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So the most that you can make a routine of it is great. One thing you can do if we're doing this break, like your kid comes home from soccer and they're exhausted. So whatever time it is that they come home from their routine, you know, maybe it is we're all going to have dinner and then dinner's the cue after dinner that's when we start our homework. Okay. If the cue is always the same, that's going to be helpful. If the cue isn't the time, if it's an activity, if it's mm-hmm. having that snack or, you know, maybe doing like a hundred jumping jacks or not a hundred, that's a lot. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I'm all for that because that would make them really tired. So a hundred, but yeah, like 10. As long as the parents don't have to do a hundred with them, <laughs> yeah. we're fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Speaking for myself. Uh-huh. And how about when your kids have really different schedules though? Like what do you do when you've got, you know, two or three or four different kids and they've got different schedules because sometimes I've got one kid who's got an after school thing and she's home at five and another kid who's home right after school and then she has a theater rehearsal until eight or eight thirty at night and dinner is off and it's almost like we have no routine. So that's super tough to start establishing those things. So what you can do for that is use that music cue so that they're turning on the music when they're specifically working. The other thing you can do is, this isn't so much starting a routine, but if your kid is having trouble starting their homework, just do like little short bursts of homework. So sometimes if our kids are having trouble getting started, it's because they don't want to trudge through an hour of homework. If you just say, okay, just do 15 minutes right now, they're much more willing to do 15 minutes and then have a break than they are to do this, you know, unknown quantity of time of doing homework. Like that's super overwhelming. So if we just say, just try 15 minutes right now, you're much more likely to get your kids to do work. And you can do that at any point in the evening. Yeah, you know, that works for me with pretty much any chore. Anything I'm avoiding is that I get in my head that it's going to take forever and I just don't want to get it started. Of course, when I do, I realize it's not that bad. So I love the idea of just saying, you know, hey, listen, just do 10 minutes. Just do four problems and then we'll finish it up later. And I I imagine, I don't know about what you think about this, Liz. I imagine that kids are might even say, oh, no, we got it. Like, let's keep 
going. It's just a matter of getting them started. Yeah, I, I find that with reading, in fact. Yes. Like when my kids know they have to do a half hour of reading. And Sage is really anal about she loves time. She's very obsessed with time. So she sets like a little timer on her watch for 30 minutes. And like if I stop her, she'll be like, Mom, it's 29 minutes and 10 seconds. Like she's very <laughs> obsessed with it. And that helps her. But I find that even though she's kind of got one eye on the clock, if she's really into the book, she'll say, let me finish the chapter or can I just read a little more? And so I, I think it's a great point to sometimes just getting started is the hardest point. Yeah. And then the yeah. hard part is getting them to stop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we've talked a lot about homework, but I know there are a lot of other struggles that I'm sure you see parents facing. Can you talk a bit about that? Because homework seems to be the most popular one, but I'm sure there are other challenges that you're seeing from parents. Yeah. So the number one thing that parents talk to me about, and it's actually related to homework, is how do I motivate my kid? Mm. So that's also kind of stemming from homework. We want our kids to just want to do their homework because they want to do well in school because they're just motivated. That's often not the case. We want them to develop this intrinsic motivation. And so it can't come from us inherently. And yet the question is, how do I motivate my kid? What I talk about is um, Daniel Pink wrote this book called Drive that has a ton of really good research that talks about where motivation comes from. And Tony Wagner, who's an education reformist, has a book called Creating Innovators that also talks about these things. And so there are three things that I tell parents um, you want to help your kid develop, and that's autonomy. That's your desire to have control over your life. Purpose, a desire to do things that matter. That's what we want to do. And then mastery is we want to get better at stuff. When you have those three things, that's when you're going to have that internal intrinsic motivation. And so the more autonomy we can give our kids, we can say, okay, you can do your homework when you want. You can do your homework where you want. You can decide what you're going to do first, what you're going to do second, what you're going to listen to, or you can brainstorm solutions for those things. The one thing that's not negotiable in this autonomy is that homework has to get done. But otherwise, the more control you can give your kids, the more they're going to be motivated to do the work. And then let's start with mastery. So if we want to give our kids small wins, so that's really useful when you do the short bursts of homework, you know, oh, like that was actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. They're going to be more motivated to do work in the future. And then purpose, if you start this school year by talking to your kids or at any time during the school year, have them set some goals for their academic career and then have them come up with a plan to achieve that. And then instead of you nagging them to do their homework, if they like get off the plan, you can revert them back to the plan. And that's when you're more of a coach and a collaborator than that homework nag. And when your kid is able to have all of those things, they're going to be much more internally motivated. And you need that to really succeed and, and keep going because there aren't always extrinsic motivations to do stuff. So, you know, it's great that you're talking about motivations because that's something we've talked and discussed and debated a lot. Yes. And I know parents have a lot of opinions about this. Where do you stand on the perspective about incentives, both for doing homework and for achievement or grades? Should we be rewarding kids? So rewards are really tricky things, right? Yes. So, <laughs> yes, yes, they, they are. are. I know. We threw you the tough one, Catherine. Uh, okay. Here, hit this one. <laughs> uh, so... Basically, no, I'm not in favor of giving your kids extrinsic rewards for doing their homework or for getting grades. We want it to be more of that intrinsic motivation. The problem with, you know, okay, if you do your homework or if you get an A, I'll give you, you know, this X amount of dollars for getting that A. 
The problem is, and the research backs this up, is that your kid is doing it for the money. And even if they liked that subject or Ah, liked doing it, they actually like doing it less once they get the money. I read the same thing. Like, I'm a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell. You guys are dad. Look at you, dad and nerding out together. I know. I know. (laughs) But these books are great, like from Freakonomics to Outliers. I mean, they they confirm the same thing. And that really helped inform my own perspective that I want kids to achieve for achievement's sake and not because they're going to get something. But on the other hand, I've found that um, maybe not like monetary rewards, but you know, you can't do theater this year unless you're keeping a certain grade point average. Or if your grades are falling, I'm going to have to take away screen time. I-, I think those things can be helpful, but I also kind of struggle with how much to do that. What's your perspective on that kind of like reward punishment debate in terms of helping motivate kids? So that's a really good question. In general, I don't like to be totally black and white. Like I don't want to take away a thing that a kid loves, right? Like if you take away their screen time, that can really affect them socially. And then that's going to negatively affect their grades, uh, or at least they're going to feel that way. Um, if you take away like their theater and that's what they're really into, you're taking away kind of like their mastery, which is part of their internal motivation. Interesting. So mm-hmm. I don't love that kind of punishment or things like that. What I really love is talking to your kid about their goals and making that plan of action to achieve those goals. Like we have to engage our kids and make these things meaningful for them. You know, yes. school when you're young, it just seems so not important. And so we have to find a way to show our kids that this is important and you've got a stake in this game and in doing well in this class and how can you achieve this goal? But how about for kids who just, I mean, look, I'm lucky and Kristen is lucky. Maybe not lucky. We're just maybe. awesome, Liz. It's all our doing. <laughs> We're awesome parents. But our, our kids are, are motivated and they do well and they care about school and pleasing their teachers and pleasing us. And they're pretty motivated, I would say, with a few exceptions. <laughs> But um, what, what do you do with kids who just aren't? You know, I hear stories from my kids about, you know, this kid in school is always disruptive or acting up or this kid forgets their homework every single week. Some kids just, for whatever reason, attention disorders or problems at home. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of reasons that some parents just, even with the best intentions, can't get their kids motivated or to find those goals. Yeah, this is like pretty broad because depending on what's happening with your child, there are different ways to approach this. All of my parenting, all of my academic advice comes down to communication with your child. And so I actually have a template for talking to your child about these things, because what we really want is if your child is having difficulty, if it's truly a motivation issue, if it's not an attention deficit kind of thing, if it's not, they're having difficulty with their executive functions, there are specific things to do there. But if it's a motivation issue, you know, you want to get their buy-in, you want to get them to be in charge of it. And so I have a template that I talk about and I'm happy to go through it where you basically have a conversation with your child and you say, I'm not feeling good about how we've been arguing about your grades and this is what I've noticed and I know you're really capable But because of these challenges, you know, your grades are suffering and let's talk about it. You know, do you see that? What do you think is happening? What do you think we can do to solve this issue? I love this. I love all of it so much. I want to bathe in it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to look at that template. Yeah, the template's fantastic. And, you know, for parents need this. Like, we're tired. We're trying our best. If you can give us the words to say. You know, I imagine I was a teacher for a while. I worked as a therapist. And every child is different. And it could be something that's going 
going on, like you said, undiagnosed ADHD. It could be a problem in their home. It could be bullying. It could be a relationship issue with a parent. And it's coming out in their schoolwork. So it sounds like it's very different for every child. But I love the idea of really getting them involved because, you know, we talked about this in another episode too, Liz. I feel like when kids have ownership over it, when they are involved. Oh, you know, it was with Meredith. We talked about child-led play versus Mm -hmm. adult-led play. With Meredith Sinclair, yeah. Yeah. And so much of their lives are all adult-led that giving them an opportunity to problem solve and be like, hey, this is a problem. It involves you. So let's figure out ways that you can help fix it. And look, I know that rewards, I've done it. I don't pay for grades. But my incentives have always been like, you know, when you get this done, you'll be able to do this, which I guess really isn't a reward. It's just essentially like finish it so we can go do something awesome. But I know there are parents out there who do feel like they need to use this because it is easier. We get it. Like, I get why parents do that. But I love that there are other ways that it sounds like will have more positive results and for a longer period of time. I feel like the rewards and awards have a very short shelf life. Yes, yes, exactly. One thing that you can do to talk to your kid about this stuff is, you know, first you're going to work and then you can relax. Like, you know, if they want to relax, that's their own reward and that's totally fine. And maybe relax actually means go to sleep. But, you know, you've said relax, which is much better. But you can't watch TV until your homework's done. You can't, uh, you know, Snapchat with your friend until your homework's done. Those are rewards, but they're a little bit, it's different. So you you have to get your homework done first. That's a non-negotiable. And then you can do those things. That's not the same kind of reward. And that's acceptable. It doesn't have the same effect that monetary reward does. Right, right, right. Or whatever, food, candy. Right. Now, we just talked a little bit about ADHD. You had undiagnosed ADHD. Yes. And look at you now. You have <laughs> your, you. <laughs> you have an institute. You're offering really fantastic advice to parents. I mean, I think sometimes those experiences, um, as challenging as they can be can be a great impetus for change. So I'm wondering how do your own experiences with that, whether you had an IEP or whether you had accommodations, you know, in middle school, high school, et cetera, how do all your experiences factor into the advice that you give to parents and to students? They factor in like a lot. You know, I had undiagnosed ADHD until my junior year of high school. And so I really actually grew up feeling like an imposter. Like I was tricking everybody that I was really smart, but I had to work so much harder than everybody else just to get the same grades as like that my peers in my class. And so I felt like I was tricking them. And so I really feel like when I talk especially about executive function skills. Like I have real life experience because basically my parents hired what would now be called an executive functions coach to help me and my, you know, organization planning time management. I really got those skills together. And so I know what it feels like to be that disorganized person. And that still comes up for me sometimes when I get really stressed out. And Mm -hmm. so I, I can still feel it. What made me really successful during that time was my supportive parents. You know, they would do really small things. Like my mom would sit with me. She would just like read a book in the dining room while I was finishing my homework until 2 a.m. in the morning. And her being there just like really helped me focus. And so I constantly think about the things that really helped me to provide those strategies to parents to say, hey, like these are simple things that you can do as well. And that's really what made me want to start my institute was to help people like me. So then when I became a teacher and I saw that it wasn't just kids with ADHD who struggled, it was every student, like even the smart student with a lot of friends, like Mm -hmm. her mom would come in and say, you know, she's a perfectionist and I don't know what to do and I'm really worried about it. 
I realized that all parents wanted to help their kids, that all kids, you know, had something that was keeping them from really thriving. And so providing parents with those practical strategies. So I'm constantly pulling on what I learned as a kid with ADHD from my parents, how they helped me, and then from my students and my work as an executive functions coach, constantly pulling on those things to talk to people about it in a way that is practical. What really frustrated me as an executive functions coach when I was working was that I would go to lectures all the time to learn more about strategies for kids who had different executive functions issues than I did. And everything was theoretical. Yes. And it was so yeah. <laughs> But how do I make this work in my life? Exactly. <laughs> and so that's what I'm bringing to the table. Is, and that's like been the basis of what's been my life's work this far is how do I make this practical and easy for parents? Well, I have to say, I hope you gave your mom a lifetime supply of coffee <laughs> once you started your institute. God love her staying up until 2 a.m. But I love the fact that she basically made her presence known. And I yes. think that's not just in education, that's in life, right? Is having a parent that's not necessarily hovering. Right. I think we oftentimes think we're helping, so we, we have to be involved. But really, it just sounds like she was there and you knew that she was supporting you, yes. but also letting you do it yourself. I, I don't know, Liz, I feel so inspired right now. I love the passion that you have, Catherine, and especially these days to hear such positive things about parents and work happening with students makes me very happy, a little verklempt even. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I love that we've talked so much about homework and schoolwork and tactical issues in terms of working with kids and motivating them. But one of the things I really like about your site, having taken a look at it, is you offer lots of advice and insight for parents beyond schoolwork. Like both Chris and I talked about this before, that we really like the idea about conquering a messy backpack. Like that really spoke to me because at first you don't think that's tied to educational support and success, but it's kind of those little things that also matter a lot, right? Oh my gosh, so, so, so much. It's like really important for your academic success, actually. And we do definitely overlook these things. You know, kids throw stuff in their backpack and if they've thrown, you know, their notes and they're like crumpled up somewhere and maybe they've been thrown out at this point, they're not going to have those notes to study from. If they work really hard on their homework and then they stuff it in their backpack and they can't find it to turn it in, they don't get credit for that homework that they've done. Wait, can I just raise my hand <sighs> here for if any parent is wincing right now? That was me. For real. That was me. I was the type who was like really organized in my head. I was a good student <laughs> when I liked the teacher, not when I didn't like the teacher. But I was like the master of crumpling crap and just cramming it into my backpack as anyone who's seen my apartment probably could figure out. So that isn't necessarily the end of the game, right? I mean, like I still did okay, but I do admit that there were aspects of that that held me back. Well, you know, my son actually just had this issue where he is in an accelerated math course and it's not in his classroom. So the teacher recommended that he get a separate little, you know, one of those smaller backpacks. And I kept putting it in his backpack and he kept taking it out every morning because I just don't think he understood why I was doing it. And of course, a letter came home from the teacher because he had forgotten his homework one day. He was devastated. And it was because he didn't have the organization that he needed to remember to bring his homework from one classroom mm. to the other. And so I feel the messy backpack situation the struggle is real. No, it is. And <laughs> and you know what? I wish I had nipped it in the bud earlier because I might have gotten it together before college. <laughs> it might have helped me. But um, yeah, I mean, I definitely see a cause and effect there. But I also don't want to like overstate the case that kids with messy backpacks are going to fail in school. You're not saying that, right? Of course not. No, it just makes life easier for them. And that's what we're trying to do. Kids who struggle with executive function skills, like having an organized backpack and being on time and managing their time and things like that, like they can be super smart 
smart and people just don't see it, it's hard for them. You know, if you are constantly running late to school and you come into class and you're pulling stuff out of your backpack and looking for stuff, you're not <laughs> paying attention to what the teacher's saying. And so if you miss stuff, you can still learn. You're still smart. You're still getting all the information, but it's just harder for you. And we want to make life as easy for our kids as possible in ways that aren't enabling them or, or doing the work for them. And I imagine it's a quick fix. Like some things are probably more involved. It sounds like something like a messy backpack can be an easy fix. And I know parents out there are like, yes, give me the easy fixes. Are there any other small things other than the, you know, just organizing a backpack that you would recommend? Amend, you know, things that could make a big impact on our kids, but don't involve us, you know, going to Pinterest and creating like some sort of crazy <laughs> checkboard <laughs> hook system. <laughs> uh, well, just to talk a little bit about the backpack first, if that's cool. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we'll talk about backpacks forever. So go for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> some like ways to make the backpack more organized really quickly. My favorite thing is to use page protectors. Ah. Do you just put them in your kid's notebook ahead of time? Uh, so there are empty page protectors in there. And then it's almost as easy to stuff it anywhere in your backpack as it is to stuff it in your page protector. Ooh. That's something that can really get rid of those crumpled up papers. And there's some cute ones. I know that we were in Hawaii over the summer and my daughter got a few of those, actually. Yeah. I was like, what are these things? <laughs> I don't know why I've never <laughs> seen them before, but actually they've come in handy. They've really come in handy. Yeah, that's great. The other thing that you can do is have some um, plastic two-sided folders. I call it a do-done folder. On one side, everything that you need to do is tucked in. And then once you've done it, uh, you put it on the other side and that's typically your homework, field trips, slips, things like that. And so you know exactly where your stuff is to turn it into your teacher when you've got it. And so those are two things that can really clean up your backpack pretty quickly. You know what we just started, Catherine? We have bins in my house. <laughs> so when my kids come home, they empty out their lunch and then they put their backpack in their own bin and then need to pull out like homework and everything else. So it's still all in one place. There's not a separate bin for homework. There's basically a bin for all of their school related things. Mm -hmm. And I have to say just having that has really helped us a lot. We have hooks, but I just feel like we need like a container because everyone's yes. library. You know what? And by the way, it's great for library books. I knock on wood. I'm going to knock <gasps> have not lost a library book this year because wow. of the bins. That Liz, this is a big deal. We is. need to get Emily McDowell to make you, you know, one of those everyday bravery <laughs> yes. metal pins. You returned your library books Never on Never lost time. a library book. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, Catherine, let us close out with one more question. Yeah. We'll make this an easy one. Okay. Haha, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so, if you had to give just one tip to parents, you know, like kind of one general tip, that would cover the majority of parents on how they can best support their kids' education at home, what would that be? Uh, so I would say that you should always assume goodwill. Mm. Your kids mostly want to make you happy. If they're fighting you on doing their homework, there's a reason. Maybe they're scared they can't do the work, they're scared of disappointing you, that you're, they're not as smart as you think, or if they keep forgetting their homework at home and it's super frustrating, um, you know, it's their executive functions haven't caught up to them yet. They, their brain hasn't developed the ability to remember their homework. They, they don't have those strategies. So, you know, when our kid forgets their homework at school and wants us to bring it to them again, taking a breath and remembering that your kid wants to do right by you will help you adjust your mindset and decrease your frustration so that you can respond effectively uh, when that happens. When I say this, I'm not saying always bring your kid's homework when he forgets it at home, but say your kid does it again and you're super frustrated 
if you assume goodwill, it gives you the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to do it this time, but we're going to have a conversation about it. And we're going to create some strategies so that this won't happen again. Right. But if it does happen again, you know, you're going to have to talk to your teacher and bring it the next day and have those strategies um, in place. And so having that ability to assume goodwill on the part of your kid gives Mm -hmm. you the opportunity to be that good parent that you want to be. I love that. And I love that you're talking about kids' desire to gain your respect and to impress you and to please you. Because, you know, like we were talking about rewards earlier. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've realized that makes my kids the most excited is when they come home with a great report card and I hug them and I just say, I'm so proud of you for working so Mm -hmm. hard. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It goes a long way. It really does. Because I know that they value that. They value they that. Do. And so, you know, that's its own reward. It is. Absolutely. So, Catherine, this has been so fantastic, but we want to make sure that our listeners can find you if they want to utilize the services that your site offers and all that good stuff, or they have questions for you. Talk a little bit about where people can find you on the web and on social media. Awesome. So, you can find us on firebornInstitute.org. You can find our podcast, The Happy Student, on iTunes, on Podomatic, and on Google Play Music. And, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram as Fireborn Institute and then on Pinterest and Twitter as Sisu Fireborn. Sisu is spelled S-I-S-U and uh, she's our mascot. Her name means an inner fire. It's from the Finnish word Sisu. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Well, and also if people have questions, they can reach out to us as well. We're at spawned at coolmompicks.com. You can tweet us at coolmompicks. Use the hashtag spawn show. And of course, we're going to have links to everything we talked about today over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. And by the way, while you're listening to us, subscribe. You can subscribe to Spawn and to the Happy Student, whatever podcast app you listen to. We're both there, so do that right now. We'll be back with our Cool Picks of the Week right after this. So Liz, I know you probably know this. I bet maybe our listeners know this, but we don't care. We're going to talk more about our awesome sponsor, Learn With Homer, the great learn to read app that my daughter Bridget's been using and hopefully our listeners are using too. Yes. And you know, actually we've been getting some emails from people saying that they really love it. They're so glad to have discovered it from Spawn. So thank you to those of you who are downloading it, supporting our sponsor. And by the way, supporting your kids. Yeah. The stats on this are unbelievable. Just using the Homer app 15 minutes a day was shown to increase early reading scores by 74% in a recent study conducted by the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of Education, Dr. Susan B. Newman. That's huge. And she knows her stuff. She I mean, does. she's a doctor. Yeah. Secretary of Education, <laughs> Dr. Newman. She knows it. So if she's data nerding you guys with 74% increase in scores, you know that she knows what she's talking about. And you know, <laughs> I love this idea of pursuing passions and interests to getting kids excited about reading. Yeah. I was talking to some fellow hockey moms this week, and one one mom was saying how I she love was, that you're a hockey I'm mom. I'm a hockey person. mom. And she was saying how it was so hard to get her son excited about reading. And I was saying, you know what? I've found that Drew, my oldest, really loves comics. And he's been reading Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. So I think Homer is so great because it really lets you pick interesting stuff that your kids are going to gravitate towards. It's not just, you know, a book that they think everybody is going to read. It's really special. True. And my mom, who you know is an awesome educator and educational consultant, 
consultant. She says the exact same thing that the folks at Homer do. She's always said to us, it doesn't matter what your kids are reading. It matters that they're reading. And so Homer really lets them read what they're interested in, which gets them more excited about reading more. And then that will open their minds to reading all kinds of different things. It's really a wonderful program. And you know what? I think it's good that you said program because it's way more than an app. You get all sorts of printable worksheets. You can track your child's progress. You can listen to their reading. It's so much more than an app. And it's so affordable. You can get up to four kids on one membership at $7.99 a month or $79.99 a year. And our Spawned listeners get an exclusive two-month free trial. Go sign up right now. Learn with homer.com slash spawned. And you know how much a two-month free trial costs, Kristen? Zero. Zero dollars. Check it out. We think you'll like it. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Catherine, as our guest, you get to go first. Excellent. So I'm really into having screen-free free time play for kids. There is this product called Sticklets. And oh. <laughs> Uh, it's, a so, gra- it's great. I just learned about it. I just oh, learned about really? it this week. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's so funny. I love these because they're just these silicone or some safe material and they've got holes and they're different shapes and sizes and kids just go outside and they play with sticks and they build things and it's much easier than trying to connect things with, you know, rope uh, or some grass that you find outside. And so it helps kids be really creative and you can use it, you know, not just for playing outside. Their website talks about having people use them to secure GoPros and holding skis together for kids. So there are lots of ways that you can be really innovative with these things. And so I love that they promote this free play, creative thinking time outside for kids. Yeah, it's wonderful. I I just love all open-ended building toys. So what a great pick, Catherine. I can tell you love kids and do it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Well, I have one that's great for, well, you know what? It has to do with this because good sleep is good for your education. And my pick is called a Snugglepedic Pillow. Let me give you a little backstory. We get a lot of emails on our site as folks might imagine. And they're all sorts of different subject lines. Like, this is the best this, this is the best that. Well, Liz, they said this is the top rated pillow on Amazon. Really? Yes. By the way, I always trust that. Whenever it's like a <laughs> top you? rated anything on Amazon. Yeah. Really? I it, I, and I'm like, all right. I'm always a little skeptical. So I was like, Heck yeah, I need some sleep. So I got this pillow. They sent it to me to try out. And it is so awesome. I cannot stop talking about it. It's so awesome that Margot, my eight-year-old, stole it from me. And I would try every night to steal it back. Really? Between <laughs> yes. this pillow and your weighted blankets, I don't know how you get out of bed. <laughs> I have four kids. All you listening. need is like a refrigerator in your room, your laptop, and you just never have to leave. Well, I'll tell you what. I realized that they have kid sizes of these too. So I ordered them for all my kids so that they would stop stealing my pillow. It's great. It's actually shredded foam. So I don't know if oh you guys gosh. have ever heard of that. So it's not like one of those rock hard foam pillows. It's shredded foam. And it's a company that's in United States, so they're U.S. made, and they will customize it for you. So if it's too full or not full enough, you can send it back to them, and they'll do it for you. Um, I got it on Amazon.com. We'll link it up, but it's a Snugglepedic pillow, and I agree that it should be the top-rated pillow on Amazon. I love that. You know what? (laughs) Let me just jump in and say, here's like the best Amazon trick. My boyfriend taught me this. It's so smart. If you're trying to figure out whether to buy a product on Amazon and there's tons of ratings, click on the three-star ratings and read those because some of the five-star ones are bull. 
They're like fake, right? Some of the one star ones are really stupid. Like I accidentally ordered the wrong size, one star. <laughs> and so if you click on the three stars, you'll get a really good sense of like what the real issues are with the product and whether it's good. It's a great tip. So anyway, Snugglepedic pillow, five star rating. I'm in. Snugglepedic pillow. Say that ten times fast. You you won't. Pro- I can't. You probably <laughs> won't be able to find a three star rating as it's got so many five star ratings. All right, Liz, tell us what's okay. your pick of the week. So this is a little crafty. You know, I am not crafty, mom. I know that. But <laughs> I have been so inspired by all the unicorn pumpkin tutorials that are blowing up the web. Have you seen these? I have. And these are totally our thing. If there's any kind yes. of craft that is us, Catherine doesn't know this about unicorn us. But we are like the anti-crafter. <laughs> <laughs> I respect those men and women who can like do awesome stuff that I can't do, but this one I can do. So anyway, I just put up a post on Cool Mom Pick about some of the best unicorn pumpkin DIY tutorials around the web. They are so cute. Kudos to the awesome crafters and moms at sites like Mom Spark and Hello Giggles and Confetti Idea for giving us all these great ideas. Look at our site. You'll see how cute they are. I know my youngest, Sage, is going to be like, I want to do these. So I'm going to have to go out and get like Mod Podge and sparkled spray paint and all this crap so that we can make them. You know, Thalia wants to make like zombies with guts falling out of the mouth and stuff, but my 10-year-old's going to love these unicorn pumpkins. So if that sounds appealing to you and your kids, check out the tutorial that we rounded up on Cool Mom Picks. They're really fun. And you know what? I need a little more fun, a little more treat, a little less trick in my Halloween this year, I think. I agree. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Catherine. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Also, huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And you know what? We love hearing from you. Please, please leave us a review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe. In fact, you can do it right now, no matter what. Right now. Yeah, do it. Do it. We'll wait. Do, 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 do. What? I'm playing like wait music so people can. Oh, just is do that it what right that is? It sounds talking. like Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the music while you're paused and waiting for someone to do something really awesome, like win a zillion dollars or download our episode. And you know what? <laughs> we had an awesome email this week from Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Yes, Michelle. She gave us a great reason and gave you listeners a great reason to make sure you have downloaded or saved our episode. Get this. She said, I have been driving one hour to and from my clinic field work site. That's eight weeks of this kind of driving. Wow. It's not easy either. She's like, it's through crazy mountain roads with no cell service and no radio service. Just like Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> so she downloaded our episodes so that she can listen to us on her drives, which is so awesome. But also you don't necessarily have to be driving a long time to your clinicals in the mountains to download <laughs> your episodes. And you don't have to be like Michelle who said she's been listening to four episodes a day to catch up with every Spawned episode. You're our favorite. Yes. But hey, that's a great reason to download them and then you always have them ready to go no matter what happens in the world of cell service. Absolutely. Well, listen, thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.